What's up, Evil Dead fans? We are on our way to Evil Dead Rise, which is coming out April 20th. And because of that, Danny, my good friend over there, drinking some coffee in Arizona, and I are covering everything that's like Evil Dead adjacent. We've done Evil Dead 2013. We've done Drag Me to Hell. We have done Dark Man, which is a lot of fun. And now, because Bruce Campbell was in another franchise, we are covering Maniac Cop. Danny, I am guessing that you are a big Maniac Cop fan. I am a big Maniac Cop fan. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bill Lustig. I'm a big fan of Larry Cohen, the writer, uh, Tom Atkins, Bruce Campbell, uh, Sam Raimi, who has a little cameo in this movie. This is like a, a, a meeting of all of the minds of horror uh and eh, there we are yep uh so <laughs> that picture was from a few weeks back at the nighthawk cinema by my house uh they were doing a screening of bill lustig's 1982 vigilante which stars uh the late robert foster and fred williamson and it's basically like what if death wish took place in you know what if Death Wish was a blue collar movie? That's basically hmm. the plot. It's like these blue collar guys that um, just go after like the, the rapists and the criminals, and it's nothing like too crazy and original. But it's like a nice gritty eighty early eighties uh, action movie, and uh, we got to watch the screening and. Uh, Lustig was there. He did a Q and A, uh, and he was just such a cool guy. I wore my maniac shirt. He approved. Uh, the other guy in that picture, by the way, is the writer of Vigilante. I want to give him some credit too. I, oh. I'm in Arizona. I don't have his name on hand, but he he was he was there as well, and the two of them talked about it. But uh, I I loved Maniac is unabashedly one of my favorite movies. I live by the Verrazano Bridge, which uh, I call Maniac Point because that's the famous scene where uh, Tom Savini is in the car and he created a blow up of his head so that uh, Frank, the maniac, can jump up and blow it away with a shotgun in an amazing Tom Savini head explosion effect. Yeah. and then, of course, Maniac Cop. Uh, he directed all three, or he directed. Lustig directed. I believe he's credited with the first two, and then I think he like shared the directing credit on part three. Okay. But uh, Larry Cohen also one of my favorites. He directed Q the uh, Winged Serpent. He directed oh. the stuff. Uh, God told me to. A whole bunch of late seventies, early eighties really grindhouse 80s movies that like i watched a documentary and i actually reviewed the interviewer of that documentary for geeks of doom uh called king cohen if anybody gets a chance it's fantastic cohen was this he was a renegade filmmaker he would basically send his crew out on the street with no permits uh he filmed hugh the winged serpent in 1982 i believe he just sent like his actors up to the top of the Chrysler building with, with guns and had them fire into the sky. Like he was insane. Like he would have been arrested 
uh, today. Um, you've heard the story about how during Cannibal Holocaust, like uh, the director got arrested because they thought he murdered his crew because they thought it was... Yeah. Like, if America treated, like, movie directors like Italy did in, in the early 80s, Cohen would have been uh, would have been arrested as well. Um, wow. He he also was a writer. He did Phone Booth. He wrote the movie Phone Booth with Kiefer Sutherland and um, Colin Farrell, which was one of my favorite, like, uh, close, you know, uh, tight uh, thrillers, uh, contained thrillers. That's the phrase I was looking for. So this is really just a meeting. And then, of course, it, the two main stars of the movie are Tom Atkins and Bruce Campbell. So this is just a meeting of all things that are grindhouse and, like, low-budget awesome of yes. the 1980s. Yes. Uh, and it's weird that it, it's really a late 80s movie. And it's also really, really poignant in some of the things that get said and how topical those things would become uh, in years later. Yes, sir, uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's funny. Quite controversial uh, yeah. to, to probably some people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It, it almost felt a little awkward or, or weird watching something about this, right? And talking about cops so much and cops being dangerous. Um, I was going to say that a few of the things that you said Joe Bob Briggs also said, because Joe Bob Briggs must be very similar to you and have a real appreciation of William Lustig and uh, Larry Cohen, because, I mean, he's had Q the Winged Serpent on the last drive-in. I think they did Maniac Cop 1 and 2 back-to-back -back for one last drive-in. And uh, for me, that was my exposure to all of those films. And I feel like some of the things I might bring to the discussion today might just be quoting Joe Bob, but... Um, you know, you can tell that he really does appreciate it. And also they showed Maniac on uh, The Last Drive-In, too, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, I mean, he I mean, he would have been a lot younger, probably, probably, uh, I don't know, maybe in his 20s or 30s when those movies came out, right? And um, he just has an appreciation, I think, for everything that you just talked about. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Joe Spinell, who's the actor from... Uh... I called him Frank. That's his character name. Joe Spinell is 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 maniac. Uh, here's a guy who was in The Godfather, <laughs> and then was the gangster that Rocky worked for in the original Rocky. And now, you know, a few years later, he's jumping up on the hoods of cars under the Verrazano and blowing away uh, Tom Savini. So it's and, and skinning girls for their you know, for their scalps to put on his mannequins. Uh, you don't get movies like this anymore. You know, you don't get no. movies like Maniac, Maniac Cop, uh, Cue the Winged Serpent. It, it, it's why I love this movie. It feels like all of these like crazy minds came together. Yes. And it's also bizarre, you know, spoiler alert, you have the lead actor in the movie who you're led to believe is tom atkins character who you follow for the first hour of the movie then basically just gets ceremoniously tossed out a window by uh the maniac cop himself matt cordell yeah and the movie then like basically transfers over to bruce campbell and yeah. then the movie does that again in the sequel because bruce campbell basically comes back and you're like oh there's my main character there's jack and he's killed off almost instantly and the movie like transfers to another main character. So 
Yeah. It's, it, it also kind of subverts your expectations uh, in, in what you're expecting. Also, the whole story of Matt Cordell. Like, I've seen this movie probably 10 times from beginning to end in my life, and I still don't know if Matt Cordell is supposed to be a zombie, if he's supposed to be some kind of, like, supernatural being, or, you know, if he's just the biggest, toughest cop in the world who, you know, it's, they're they not very explicit with what he is. Right. Uh, they do, in the sequel, basically turn him into a, like, a Jason Lives-style monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen the images from it, because I remember watching The Last Drive-In, and I watched... You know, because when I watch the last drive and I don't sit there and watch the whole thing straight through because I got a lot going on in my house. So I um I remember watching the end of this movie and then a little bit of the second movie. And I've seen images of Cordell and he like almost has like the skeleton kind of face, you know, yeah. and he, he does look like Jason lives. Yeah, I think that in this first one, he's more like Michael Myers, at least like Michael Myers in like the first movie where it's like you're not really sure what he is. Is he just this like crazy killer? Is he not? Um What's really interesting about this movie is that Bruce Campbell is the main guy and we're so used to Bruce Campbell being goofy and silly and he's pretty much just a straight man the entire movie. And yeah. and and watching it from the beginning, I'm like he's actually pretty unlikable, right? Cuz the way they introduce him, first off, you know, the movie does a great job of setting up the fear throughout the city and like, oh, there's this cop and and so you see this um like this response from the citizens where like this one woman shoots this cop because she thinks he's the maniac cop. Um, people are all worried. And then you see this one woman who thinks that her wife might be the maniac cop and he's putting on his uniform, just like Cordell does in the beginning of the movie. And then you find out that that guy is Bruce Campbell. Now Bruce Campbell leaves not to go kill people, but to go have an affair. And the movie kind of treats it like the wife who thought he was a killer, the wife who he was, committing adultery on it's just like ah fuck her who cares we really care about the woman he's with you know <laughs> and so um i, I don't I, I felt bad for the wife kind of and I, I was like oh well you know she just kind of gets brushed over um i think i think her character though serves a bigger point in one of the things that the script is doing which is really showing the effect that being a cop has on mm -hmm cops and on the people around them like the script goes into very vivid detail about you know frank mccray tom atkins character uh we're told that his partner died and that within a month he was effectively suicidal mm -hmm. and that his gun went off you know uh we're told that you know uh, a lot of cops are in therapy and you know, whether it's marriage counseling or they're in therapy because they're like depressed and suicidal and angry. Uh, and these are things that would come out much later on where like now there's statistics about, you know, the, what happens to cops. The suicide rates are very high. Uh, 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 divorce rates are very high amongst police officers. And it's got to be a combination of, you know, the stress that they go through on a daily basis, the stress that their family goes through on a daily basis. But then there's also the other side where Larry Cohen as the writer is very apt to show in these like 
news clips, interviews about how the citizenry of New York is afraid of cops. And he doesn't just make it, you know, like what it would become as we move forward in the real world, where very often it goes into, um, it becomes like a whole race thing. Even though there's the one black guy that they show that really like, like, it's almost like he's looking into the freaking future. He's like, you know, people, he's like, they're shooting at us. They're shooting us in the back. They're, you know, they're claiming that anything we're holding is a weapon. And I'm like, oh my God, like those are actual news stories from like the late nineties and early two thousands and 2010s, et cetera. But then there's also like just generic, like white people talking about how they're afraid of the cops and like, you know, and, and I think that there is to an extent, even amongst good people who, you know, do respect law and order. I mean, I, I went to Tombstone, Arizona yesterday, where nobody is more respected than law and order in that place. I mean, they celebrate Wyatt Earp like he is on this Easter day, a version of Jesus. Uh, oh my and, God. <laughs> you know, and, and despite that, like, there are people that, you know, hey, look, we know this, right? The worst, and I tell this to my students all the time when I teach like criminal justice classes. There's nothing worse, even if you are a law-abiding citizen, than being pulled over by a cop, than being stopped by a, a police officer. You always have this, there, for some reason, you get nervous, even yeah. if you've done nothing wrong, or right. even if you've done something wrong, but nothing too wrong you know even if you were going 70 in a 50 mile an hour zone for some reason you're like oh fuck like what's gonna happen right i and i think that's you know i think this movie which came out in 1988 writes and directs itself in a way that really hits both sides of this like the stress and the the effect on their lives and their families' lives that just being a cop is and being a cop has, and the fear that the general public has mm-hmm. of cops in general, let alone if they become maniac cops. Yes. You know, it, it's funny uh, because, you know, you are in Arizona right now, but you live in New York. I lived in New York for the majority of my life. And so, uh, you know, it's where we live and grew up. And the New York of our childhood, which in 1988, we'd be like six years old, five, six, seven years old, right? Um, That's a different New York from the New York now, right? And uh, you just look at this movie and the way that people kind of act around cops in this movie, it has changed, like you said, just the overall look of New York feels completely different. I like watching these 80s movies, these 70s movies. And just being like, oh, yeah, I remember when New York was like this, where like every subway car had graffiti on it. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I have stories of like my parents, you know, we, we also grew up before cell phones. Right. It's a lot easier today when we can track where our kids are going with cell phones. But right. uh, I I grew up where even in the, the early to mid 90s, like my friends started wanting to go to like Times Square and the city mm-hmm. probably when i was about 13 to 14 and that would make it like 95 96 and my my mom especially was like i don't want you going to the sub uh taking the subway to the city right and and like i would have to have been with a large group 
I would have had to have a pocket full of quarters so that I could call <laughs> on a payphone to let them know that I was there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's I, I show my students all the time. I show them uh, when we go into when I teach criminal justice, we go into the different styles of policing and we talk about like the Giuliani era where uh, basically it's called broken windows policing where you 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 crack down on all of these small quality of life crimes. Right. And that's what Giuliani did. And I show them pictures of the porn theaters, the drug dealers, the prostitution, right. the squeegee men. Right. Uh, and you, like you said, the graffiti everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a lot of my students take the train to school every day and I show them pictures of what a train used to look like in like 1983. And they're yeah. like blown away. Yeah. They, they don't understand. And it, it, it really is. It's a, a bygone era. Yeah. That, you know, these guys were writing and directing it. Right. So, so let's use that to kind of bring back into the narrative of the movie. Um, so one other actor that we haven't really mentioned is the love interest played by Lorraine Landon. She's officer Teresa Mallory, and uh, she's the one that Bruce Campbell's having the affair with. And um, it's funny because when you get, first get introduced to her, she's pretending to be a prostitute so she can bust John's. And there's this great scene where this guy pulls up and he's kind of flirting with her, want to go somewhere. And he asked her that question that, you know, you're supposed to ask a prostitute in movies or whatever, where you're like, are you a cop? And then she kind of lets him go, essentially, you know. But um, it, it's funny because there's not really a lot of character development or anything like that in this movie. It, it's pretty much just a straight-up thriller, trying to uncover what's going on. I, I think that really the real true depth is... Um, you know what's going on with the maniac cop himself like why does why is he the way that he is right and um you mentioned before uh, you really made a really great point about when you get pulled over by a cop you get scared um even if you haven't done anything and my my wife has kind of negative experiences with cops and she sometimes has an opinion about them and sometimes she refers to them as like the cop cult right and she says that like cops kind of are always with each other. They're always like hanging out together. They have the similar mindset. And this movie, I feel like really represents that, right? Because with um, with the maniac cop himself, with um, Cordell, he um, is an officer that's like real proud of himself. And he, he's this big guy. At one point they say that like, he's there looking at clippings of his own like arrests and articles. And, um, he ends up having this affair with his other cop. And so it's like in, in modern movies, a lot of times when you have cops that sort of have this shady past and stuff, they start getting involved with criminals. But in this movie, the movie, the woman that he's having an affair with is this other cop who loves him is like obsessed with him. And she's essentially like feeding him information. So he can yeah, get his revenge. I mean, and, and even then, and that goes back to what we were saying before, when Cordell dies, she apparently throws herself out a window. Right. And so here's, so like, but like there's another person who works for the police department who, you know, a, a police officer dies and her response is, you know, basically a suicidal uh, impulse. Yeah. Um, and, and then she basically is working to, you know, help get him to get revenge for basically. So, I think we should talk about Matt Cordell. Um, Matt Cordell is played by uh, Robert Zadar, who 
the big joke of this movie is that Bruce Campbell, of course, is known for his chin. Uh, his first book was called If Chins Could Kill. Um, okay. I actually have that uh, signed by him at a book signing. That's awesome. But Robert Zadar has the chin. Like, this man has a face that is, like, chiseled out of a fucking mountain. Yes. And he's massive. Uh, if you don't know who Robert Zadar is, he's also the bad guy in Samurai Cop, which is the greatest bad movie of all time. Uh, it is, like, legendarily awful. Uh, but, yeah, Zadar plays Matt Cordell. And basically, he's a shoot first, ask no questions, ask questions later cop he's considered a hero in the police department but he basically is uh, um you know it, before he becomes something otherworldly he's essentially kind of a maniac cop he just goes out there and you know goes after criminals yeah and he basically becomes a scapegoat for the city um trying to like police their own and so they basically throw him under the bus and arrest him and throw him in. They said, sing, sing. sing, sing. And they put him right in with, like, they say all the criminals that he caught. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, like, uh, you're a David Lynch fan. He did Eastern Promises, right? No, that's Cronenberg. That is Cronenberg. Oh, okay. Did you see Eastern Promises? Oh, yeah. this, oh yes. okay. Because I was going to say, there's like this. You know, Eastern Promises, 1988 Eastern Promises-esque slow motion naked shower fight scene. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, yes. where he's left, like, with his face just being stabbed and slashed. And he's, he's basically killed. We're told he's killed. Wow. And somehow he's back. And the movie does a great job. Uh, Lustig does a great job of building this character through shadow through just the way the camera shows him you know like my daughter when i got home uh when athena and i got home from tombstone yesterday charlotte was laying in bed watching the harry potter movies on tv and she asked like how did they make hagrid look so big next oh. to the rest of the cast <laughs> right right and it made me think of the way because robert zadar is huge he's a massive person right. but he also looks so much more imposing uh, there's the, like right at the beginning, this like blonde woman is running away from these like two thugs in the street. Right. She sees a cop. She runs up to him and he like, like, like it's a WWE, you know, choke slam, picks yeah. her up, yeah. snaps her neck, throws her down. Right. And they film him in such a way that he looks like. Like you mentioned Michael Myers. He looks like a Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers right. type. Right. Uh, and everyone else next to him looks, and it helps that like the woman that is kind of helping him out is this small diminutive woman who walks with a cane. <laughs> so he, he always just gives off this just hulking appearance. Right. Um, and, and uh, he's filmed in shadow. So you, you get like glimpses of maybe his eyes, eyes, but nothing more. You don't see really until the very end of the movie. You don't see his full face with all the the scars and the what would become that like you know skull mask that he kind of like burnt skull mask that he has in parts two and three. Yeah, 
where he's effectively just a monster at that point. Right, right. And yeah, you're absolutely right that like the way that he's filmed, it's always like he's in silhouette or you can, you know, not see him just head on. But it's funny, too, because in the beginning, a lot of his kills and what he does are like, oh, this is what a cop would do. Like you kind of picture Larry Cohen and, uh, you know, William Lustig sitting there talking about, okay, well, he's a cop. So like we got to do some cop stuff with the kills. Okay. All right. Well, at first, a woman's going to run up to him thinking he's a good cop, but then he's the maniac cop. He's going to kill her. Then this other guy. Uh, he's going to be at a, tra- a traffic light and the- he's going to walk up with his billy club and knock on the window and make the kid come out. And it's so funny because they- he doesn't talk throughout the whole movie. When he gets up with the billy club, he knocks on the window. The guy that the- the kid pulls over kind of starts talking and then he just points and the kid comes out. Uh, and he just I like the, the kid. scene. I like when he he walks out in front of the car and he just kind of sit like, like, let's go. Get right. out here with the. He doesn't say anything, but like right. it's like, oh, all right, the cop wants me to get out of the car. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you know the drill because that's the best part of the beginning of this movie is that you know what it's like to have a cop kind of stop you or to go up to a cop if you need help. You know that feeling, and they kind of twist it on its head. And I think my favorite kill of the movie is the third person where it's this guy that he puts in handcuffs and they do this kind of fun shot where it shows his hands behind his back and there's blood coming down. You know, that's such a, like a horror movie image right there. It's like, okay, well, it's about a cop. So we have to have someone in handcuffs and they're bleeding in the handcuffs. And so the guy's (laughs) running and then he catches up to him and it happens to be fresh cement and he just shoves his head into the fresh cement. That's my favorite kill. And I love when they cut to the next day and his body's there all rigid and there's someone with a jackhammer trying to get him out. Just that's awesome. <laughs> I also love that the guy in handcuffs is using like his nose to press uh, intercom buttons, yes. and everybody yes. in nineteen eighty, like mid eighties New York, is like, "Get the fuck out of here, dude!" Right, right, right. He's like, screaming, "Help me! Help me! Hey, he's gonna kill me! He's gonna kill me! Get the fuck out of here, man!" <laughs> it's yeah. like that. Yeah, that 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 totally makes sense. It's it's this great time capsule of a movie that really captures what New York felt like in that time, and um, you know, it just really plays upon the idea of like, okay, we're in a crowded city, and I think that that was why I kind of forgive us covering this for our Evil Dead Rise because Evil Dead Rise, just like Scream Six, takes place in a major city, and so I think that this movie shows how you can have that kind of fear that slasher killer fear in a place where there's people all around you it's a crowded area but they still can get to you you know it's especially and 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 this goes back to something we just kind of touched on you know one of the things growing up in new york is you know there's when you live in the suburbs it's like don't talk to strangers 